Hello everyone, so glad you're back with me this week on It's the Principle with Pastor Mac. And again, just what a privilege it is to do this. Uh, we are going to jump right into the, back into where we were, uh, going through the Ten Commandments. We are up to the, I think, what is this, uh, five, six, seven, I think the eighth one. Uh, and we will just jump right in again. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, we're going through the Ten Commandments. We have gotten past verse 12, which is honor your father and mother. Uh, last week we did verse 13, which is you shall not kill or you shall not murder, uh, which takes us up to the, again, the Eighth Commandment, uh, excuse me, Seventh Commandment, uh, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Now, uh, to, to get an insight into this one, we've got to go to the, old, the, the New Testament and look at what Jesus said about adultery and about this, this commandment in particular. But before we get that far, I wanted to give you, it's an interesting word, the word adultery there, and how it's used in the Old Testament. Um, obviously, it's the idea of, of, of the act of adultery. It was also used as a word to describe anyone who was an adulterer or an adulteress. But it also is the same word um, that was used figuratively to describe the children of Israel when they went into what's called apostasy, or they turned away from the Lord. And when you look at, and I don't have time to go into it in the Old Testament, but I'm just trying to give you a basis or a foundation before we go into the New Testament, this idea of adultery. When, G, or when the Lord describes this for the children of Israel, he talks about how, their first, how first their hearts grow cold, how they pull away from him, and how after their hearts grow cold, then they turn away. That plays into the New Testament and, and when Jesus describes this. So this idea of adultery is not the idea of just, you, you just go out and you just fall into an affair. Uh the word was used to describe those who systematically, methodically uh, ended up leaving or turning away. That was, again, that was the word that was used that God used for the children of Israel when they turned away from him, when they went into idolatry, when they, uh, when they went to following and worshiping false gods. It was a slow, almost methodical, where one generation after the next, they just continually got a little further away, a little further away, a little further away from the Lord until they got into full-blown, again, idolatry and what they call apostasy, uh, which is to renounce or, or turn away from a belief. And so that gives you an idea of this word when it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not just the idea of going out and, and committing the act of adultery. It is the, the slow dying of the relationship until the point as the relationship dies, you've, you, you've more and more get away from it. And so that is with that in mind, again, we can't look at this without looking at what the Lord said, uh, about this idea of adultery and this idea of, of where it goes and what it is and how it impacts. And so we're going to go back. We did this last week with Thou Shalt Not Murder. We're going to go back to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at what Jesus said. We'll also go to Matthew 19 here in just a few minutes. But, uh, but Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 27. You have heard it say, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. 
We just read it, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cause, cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. Let's continue on two more verses. Furthermore, it has been said, whosoever or whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any cause except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So let's, let's dig into this passage just a little bit and the idea of referencing it back to Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not commit adultery. So Matthew five twenty seven. Jesus said, you've heard it said, I just said it, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust, after, lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, um, I was always taught growing up that uh, the way this was explained, and I hate to be silly about this, but uh, is that you look the first time, you, you see a beautiful woman or you see a handsome man or whatever it may be that that was okay, but it was the second look, if you looked back, that the second look, that was the, uh, you're lusting after them. But you've got to look at the verse, what it says, and the original language as it, as it brings it out. And the, the, in, the New King James Version does a great job with this. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Notice it is the intent of the looking. It is not you took a second look. It is not that you, uh, I, I mean, you know, you have people, we have people, I have people that I either work with on a daily basis or I go to church with and see hopefully at, at least twice a week you know, Sunday and Wednesday, that may be attractive people or maybe the kind of personality that they have, that it would be somebody that you would be naturally, in the natural, would be drawn to. That's just human nature. That's how we're built as humans. We have been, God has created us with the desire for human relationship. That's part of our DNA, so to speak. And, and part of that DNA, part of that creative way that God made us is to desire relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Now, um, I, I understand that there's homosexuality out there. I, I get all that. This is not, I'm not addressing that right now. One day I will. I am referring to the natural order of things it is supposed to be male and female. That's the way it was meant. So there is that natural, innate desire within us to long for relationship as a whole, but also relationship with the opposite sex. God has created us that way. 
and and that is that is just part of who we are. The problem becomes in the motivation behind having those relationships. Uh, it is um, I pastor a growing church that is uh, that that the Lord is blessing, and we have a bunch of men and we have a bunch of women in this church. And as a pastor, I have a relationship with each one of them, male and female. And I have to, this is where, see, this is, it's not the idea of the second look. I see these women and I see the men, but I see the women Wednesdays and Sundays and then Sundays and Wednesdays and then week after week and I'm around them and I'm going to see them with my natural eye. That is not what this verse is talking about, seeing a woman more than once, uh, even looking back. Uh, it is the idea of why I'm looking at them. Notice again, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in your heart. And so it's not the idea of looking at the woman. It's the idea of motive, the motivation behind looking at the woman. It's the idea of the motivation behind the way I approach the women in my church and in my life. It's the idea behind, uh, of the motivation behind how I speak to them, why I speak to them, uh, why I hang around them. Is it just the fact that we're all in a, in a, in a church fellowship thing and we all happen to be in the same room and we're all eating ice cream or we're all playing uh, you know some kind of fellowship game or whatever it may be is that the reason I'm around them or am I around them for another reason that I I won't I'm looking for something more than just the natural fellowship that should be within the body of Christ and that's where it gets to the that's where it gets into the sinful nature or the 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 uh, borderline of sin or what however you want to say it. That's where it gets wrong. How about that? I'll just say it that way. It gets wrong. It's sinful. If my motivation for for speaking to being around, uh, making a phone call or 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 whatever it may be to a female other than my wife. If my motivation is to somehow fuel um, a, a desire in me to be around or to long for her in a way other than as a sister in Christ, then it is wrong and it is sinful. I don't care how you slice it. I don't care how you try to sugarcoat it. I don't care how you try to say, well, you know, we work together or whatever the excuse may be. If the motivation... See, that's where it gets to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. There is, and that is where it gets to the motivation. If you look at a woman to lust, if you women, if you look at a man to fuel those desires or fantasies or whatever it may be, and it's not just women that have the fantasies, guys have them too. If you do it to fuel that desire, to rouse that desire in you, I don't care. I don't care if you act out on it or not. It is sin. It is wrong. And 
I know, I know. I sound old school. I sound old-fashioned. I sound fuddy-duddy. I, I, I don't care that I sound that way. In order for me to keep the flame alive with my wife, I have to make sure, protect myself, and guard myself that I don't allow the flame of passion to ignite or be carried toward another female. And I have to do whatever it takes to keep that from happening. Because, see, just like the idea of the adultery was a word that was used to describe the slow, methodical turning away of the children of Israel from the Lord to another God, in order for me to keep the flame alive with my spouse, I cannot allow that flame to be pulled away or to go towards someone else. The passion that I have in the desire for a, a woman, the desire to fulfill that part in my life that God created me with, I have to guard it and make sure that that flame only stays toward my wife. So that my relationship with the other women in my life, the other women at my job, the other women in my church, that, the, that there is not a flame, so to speak, of, of, of passion toward them, that I do love them with the love of the Lord, right? And, and that, that love is in me as a flame, but the motivation behind that flame is the Lord, not me. So that's where we've got to be careful. That's where we've got to draw the line is who is driving, the, who is the motivator, who is driving, what is driving that, that, that desire for the relationship we have, uh, we, we have women on our staff at this church that are couples. I don't have any single women, uh, but we have women on our staff at our church that, that, um, that them and their husbands, that I speak to the husbands, I speak to the wives, I speak to them about church things, and, and I have to make sure. See, this is where I have to check my heart, that when I speak to one of them, the women, the wives of the husbands. Now, I try to make sure that I speak to the husbands first, but there are times that the husband doesn't answer the phone and and uh, or is unavailable, and I need to speak to the wife, or I know the wife is off work or whatever, you know. But regardless, I have to make sure that the motivating factor behind why I have to speak to them, why I have to uh, come in contact with them in any reason, has to be uh, it has to be something for the church, for the Lord, and. This is where, this is where, because we are natural in our desire for relationship, not just with other people, but with the opposite sex, we have to guard that and make sure that our motivation, our heart stays true and our heart stays right. And so is a double, that's a double-edged sword. One, not only am I guarding away from my passions going toward another, but I have to do what it takes to make sure my passion goes toward my wife. That's a way I guard it. That those that longing for the 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 um, the intimate relationship, and I'm not talking about the physical act. I'm talking about an intimate relationship that that is with a woman. I have to make sure that I that I keep that toward Christy, 
And that is where this is where uh, th- this is where it keeps me from allowing that flame, allowing that passion, allowing that intention, keeping it from turning away from Christy, going towards someone else, and keeping me from slowly, methodically allowing that flame to die with my wife. And that's exactly why the next couple of verses, it addresses this. Therefore, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. He is talking about in the context of the adultery. Meaning, if I can't keep my eyes on my wife, and my eyes are going to cause me to have a, 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 to guide my passion towards someone else other than her, that I am better off to literally pluck my eyes out than to run the risk of destroying and damaging what I have, not only with my spouse, not only with my kids, not only with my ministry, not only in my life, but with my soul. So see, this is this, and and if your right hand causes you to sin, see, because it's not just about the eyes, it's about the touch. So I'm very careful of, see, I, and, and men out there, uh, I know that some there are some of you who are huggers and all that. I'm a hugger. Uh, we, I have been with my wife and my kids, and we love, we hug people and all that. I'm very careful. I'm very careful about what kind of physical contact I have with another woman. I'm very careful about that. And so that's because the eyes and the touch are the things that can ignite the flame towards someone else or can pull the fire that you have with your spouse. And so if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. To me, I I think Jesus takes that seriously. He takes the idea of adultery. He takes the idea of the marriage covenant relationship. He takes it seriously. And and you can say, you can say, I know that there are those who do, that Jesus is just being hypothetical right here. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Uh, Folks, he's not being hypothetical. He's being serious. He's being literal. And that's and that, and that's tough. I mean, come on, let's let's be honest. That's hard to say. That Jesus is saying, if you can't keep your eyes to yourself, pluck your eyes out. But folks, it's what he said, and he's not being hypothetical. He's being he's being literal, because it means that much. He takes it that seriously. So let's continue on. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to flip to Matthew 19. 
Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, there's a better explanation of this or a better exposition of this in Matthew 19. So I'm going to look at this for a second. Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Um, in my Bible, the word just is italicized. That means it was added to try to, by the, by the translators of the King James into New King James to try to make it more uh, understandable. But let's, so let's take that out because you can take it out and it doesn't change anything. But it gives, actually, to me, it makes it clear. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Now, so there's two questions here and Jesus gives two answers. So let's look at the first question. Let's look at the first answer. Then we'll look at the second question and the second answer. Let's not get them confused. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He answered and said to them, have you, not, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God hath joined, let no man separate. So he answers the question. Here's what's interesting is that he's talking to Pharisees. And he answers the question. He doesn't just say yes or no. He answers the question. He goes back to Scripture. And he answers, have you not read? Well, of course they have. But here's what happened. They watered down so much the idea of marriage. They watered down the, the covenant relationship of marriage that it got to be that where you could divorce your wife. A man could divorce his wife for any reason. He could divorce her for burning a meal. He could divorce her for not having a meal ready when he got home. He could divorce her because she got too old. He could divorce her because they didn't like her voice. I mean, there was anything. And Jesus said, have you not read, he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The word join means, it literally means connected together. That's not just a physical thing. And the two shall become one flesh, literally becoming one, molding and melding together into one. You know, I've heard, I've heard people talk about how that if a couple is married for a lot of years, they'll start to look alike and they'll start to sound alike and they'll start to act alike and, and, and those kind of things. And that is the idea, is that the two of them literally become, not just physically, Emotionally, spiritually, all of the all of the parts of you who you are, you become joined together. You become one flesh. It's no longer male and female. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter five, I'll tell you this: if you go back to Genesis chapter five, you may have never seen this before. That Eve it was not named Eve until after the fall. In Genesis chapter three, in Genesis chapter five is describing the 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 uh, creation, and in Genesis chapter five it says that God made them male and female and called them Adam. When He created the first woman, she was not named Eve; she was called Adam. 
He was Adam. She was Adam. They were so much to be one that God named them the same thing. She was not called Eve until after the fall. And then he says, Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. So he answered it, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And the answer is no, because what God has put together, let not, man, let, let not any man separate. So they got it. I mean, they got it. So verse 7, they ask, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Jesus answered, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, which we've already read. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce, not commanded, permitted but notice the reason, the hardness of your heart. So here's, let, so let me, I've got like four minutes. Let me wrap this up. Is because of the hardness of your heart permitted divorce. Divorce is awful. My parents divorced when I was a teenager. We have several people in this church. We have several friends. I have several family members that have been divorced. People that I love dearly, that I respect, are, are people that have been through a divorce. But you see right here in this passage, you, you get a clue to something. Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses permitted. Divorce is not an, the unpardonable sin. But just like in Exodus, where adultery is, is that description of someone who slowly, methodically turns away, even Jesus said it, because of the hardness of your heart. Divorce doesn't happen unless somebody's heart gets hard. And a heart doesn't get hard overnight. It's a slow process. It is a hurt after another hurt after another hurt, or... Uh, can I can I give you another definition of the word heart? How about cold? And it's the it's the slowly turning away, slowly allowing the flame to die out, slow, slowly allowing that passion to go away, slowly allowing that relationship that was once hot and fervent and passionate toward each other to become cold and lifeless and hard. And someone's heart becomes hard. Then, then divorce comes. Then adultery comes. So folks, it, it's, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not break that covenant relationship of marriage. And I, I, listen, I, I live in the same world you do, and I know it's a hard world, and I know it's tough, and it's really tough on couples and relationships. I get it. I get it. That's even more the reason we need to do what is necessary to keep 
the flame, to protect the passion, to guard the relationship that you have with your spouse, and not to allow anything from within or without come and destroy and tear apart and break the thing that God intended to stay together for your entire life. What God has joined together, let no man separate. So, fight for your marriage. Protect your marriage. If you haven't taken, men, if you have not taken your wife out on a date in a while, do it. You can't afford it. Okay, fine. Then find a cheap date somehow. Take her to the park. Take her to McDonald's. Go for a walk. I don't care what you do. Find ways to keep the relationship with you and your spouse. Find find ways. I heard a saying one time, those that really want to will find a way. Those who don't will find an excuse. So find a way. Find a way to protect your home. Find a way to protect your marriage. Find a way to protect what God has brought together in that covenant relationship, covenant bond of marriage. So, folks, as possible, Christian and I will be celebrating 31 years this year, and uh, uh, I love her more now than I ever have. She's beautiful. She's a godly woman, and she challenges me to be a better man, and I am a better man because of her, and uh, I, I, I don't want to go anywhere else. So, ladies, this guy's off the market. <laughs> so, hey, I love you, and I will see you next time on It's the Principle with Pastor Mack.